You're listening to Inside Acting. To find out more and make a donation, please visit InsideActingPodcast.com. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of Inside Acting. My name is AJ Meyer. And I'm Trevor Algott. And on this podcast, we do a whole bunch of interviews with a whole bunch of industry type peoples. <laughs> and then we package them up into this free podcast. I used podcast twice in this sentence. That's three times. Good work. Good I'm work. fired. <laughs> and then we deliver it to you via iTunes or our website or some, I don't know. Are you guys pirating our, our podcast? Can you pirate Can you something that's free? free? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> And uh, and to that end, we, we want to keep this as open a uh, conversation as possible because AJ and I, you know, we have this podcast, but we don't pretend to know everything or have all the answers or even have answers that are right a lot of the time. So if you guys disagree with something we're saying or, or um, want to throw in your two cents or whatever, please don't hesitate to get in touch with us. You can find uh, myriad ways to get, in, to get in touch with us on our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. And we're finally starting to, I feel like, getting more and more as we go on, people are starting to ask um, episode-specific questions, and I really like that. Yeah. Because before it was like, I have this general question about acting, or like, my career, or what should I do here? And those questions are all awesome, because they give us tons of stuff to talk about on the podcast. But I've noticed recently that people are like, back in episode such and such, you guys talked about this. Can you talk about that? And I I really like that. That's um, that's very cool. So, um, yeah, we enjoy the specific. We enjoy the general, and we'll talk about it all right here. Stay tuned. In addition to uh, your voice on the podcast today, we've got a voicemail, got an email. Uh, We also have part two of our already noodle baking interview mm-hmm. with um, Alan Barton. You know, I, I said this in episode 30, but the, the conversation just kept getting more and more fascinating as we as we talked with him. Yeah. So I think the yeah. second part's going to be even better than the first. I, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And what was really cool is I have, I now, I've now had a chance to put a lot of this stuff into context because I went and took Mark Gantz... I think kick-ass web series workshop is what oh, he called it. Oh, that's right. I went and took that. And so I, I kind of got a... I have a little more perspective now on how the how all this like creating your own work stuff relates and translates into actual progress with your career and money and networks and all that stuff. So, um, One nugget. Let me. I'm going to ask you our question. Yeah. Our sort of... Uh, Lipton question. Uh-huh. <laughs> one one nugget from from that workshop that you would share with right now. Yeah, do it. Right sure. Now. I mean, there's, there was so much, but the thing that that really is kind of knocking around in my head was choose your audience. You know, for the Bannon way, he talked about having a pitch website, which was <clears throat> crucial for what they were doing, and then knowing exactly what audience they were playing to. So they had a pretty a pretty accepting audience. They chose eighteen to thirty four year old men. And so they wanted to make sure they had the Maxim girls in there, and they wanted to make sure they had the fast cars and the guns and, you know, the certain style about it. But they were very specific with who they were marketing to. And I thought, I, for some reason, that, that kind of escaped me when I was thinking about my own projects. I was like, yeah, you know, it'll be a really good story. 
And it's like that only gets you so far, actually. If you want to sell it or or have have kind of interest in it from people, you know, more than a few people on the internet, it's like then you've got to actually market it to a very specific kind of. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Demographic. Demographic. Thank yeah. you. Well, you know what's interesting? I think the reason that you probably never thought of that before, Trevor, is for the same reason that I'm sort of connecting the dots as I'm listening to you say that, is you don't necessarily, I think as artists, we don't always, I mean, sometimes we do. You have people like Mark who are really good at this and, and they can teach the rest of us. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but you don't necessarily find yourself... Um, making a marketing decisions and b having those marketing decisions affect the creative decisions. Mm-hmm. This is essentially what you're talking about. Yeah, which is really fascinating to yeah. me. I never, I, I've never thought about that before either. That that makes a, a lot of sense to me. Um, yeah, and, and it, it makes me wonder how I can sort of put that into my own work. Yeah, but it's like take take these things you're going to do for marketing later on down the line and just incorporate them into your design elements your creative elements your story elements exactly yeah interesting i have a book actually that i checked out of the library a long time ago like a month and a half ago <laughs> they want it back yeah i was gonna say <laughs> you have a, you, you were like i have this book that i checked out of the library so you don't actually have the book yeah I don't it's in your possession it. it's in my possession they sent me a, one of those like government issued letters where you tear off the edge of the envelope you know and you open it and there's like a, a graphite like yeah they want the book a back, picture but, of you and handcuffs yeah. you're in so much trouble i have that book and, and it's called uh, small screen big picture and it's by a guy named chad gervich i believe and porter kelly from episode nine i think mm-hmm. actually recommended that i read that book and then got in touch with chad and asked him if he'd be interested in being on the podcast he said yes and I was like, okay, I got to get the book and read the book. And then I've just been like so swamped with the war cycle and all these other things that I haven't read the book yet. But long story short, the book is about exactly this. It's about the TV industry and writing for markets and all that kind of stuff. So once I read the book and we'll get chat on the podcast, this this whole idea, this of exact stuff, conversation this, will just blow this will just up, blow up and become one two huge episodes. nuclear knowledge bomb. Nice <laughs> nuclear knowledge bomb. Oh my god. <laughs> Our knowledge bombs are getting more sophisticated. Yes. <laughs> we have a shout-out. Um, Zach wrote... Uh, Zach actually has written into this podcast a few times, um, sharing his experiences uh, as an actor, uh, sharing his thrival job experiences, and he, he donated to the podcast. A very, very generous donation. So thank you, Zach. That's really awesome. <clears throat> we have some things in the... Uh, stewing in the pot here, and uh, and uh, we, we are going to be using... Uh, as we always do, the donation money to go back into making a better podcast, and it's going to create some interesting opportunities for us and therefore our listeners. Yes, and uh, this episode will be the first episode where we'll have our subscription system in place. Oh, yeah. For anybody who wants to donate but thinks that maybe it wouldn't be cool to attach their name to a $1 donation or a $3 donation, never fear. We are setting up a subscription system where if you feel so inclined and you get value out of the podcast, you can and donate $3, $5, $10 to us on a recurring basis. And the analogy that I, I kind of drew from a few episodes ago was, was you know, if you're in a coffee shop, a lot of people go to coffee shops these days to read books, to write, to hang out, whatever. It's kind of understood that you go there and you, you buy some coffee and then you hang out there. Very few people go into a coffee shop and don't patronize it and then just sit there and, and use the space. So um, I like to think of the podcast as like that. If you guys get value out of uh, out of what we're putting together and creating for you, then then just kick us a few bucks, buy us, you know, buy a cup of coffee from our shop, and then you're, you know, hang out, you know. Of course, if you, if you don't have the means, then no worries. This will always be uh, a free podcast, but um, it certainly would mean a lot to us if 
you bought a cup of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Or tea, or a cracker, or a bagel, or a banana. So we've got um, a comment on last week's episode, which we should probably get to first, and then a voicemail uh, response to um, Freddie was uh, asking us about our um, preparation. Yeah, so um, so the, the shout-out that we wanted, or the, the comment that we wanted to respond to is a friend of the podcast named Matt, um, and he wrote in, and he was commenting on uh, Alan's, um, I guess, idea of cynical cinema spelled Mm c-y-n-e-m-a um and that was the idea that people are creating these these works these internet videos that are just have the kind of a a sarcasm to them that make fun of people as their kind of main trick um there's very rarely a script or a story it's just kind of a bunch of actors trying to do you know tricks for the camera and right well they're mostly improv and alan was saying a lot of them have uh a um industry theme in other words and a cynical tone on that industry theme. right right so like you okay you'll play the agent and you'll play the actor and you'll play the casting director and we'll improv this scene where the agent is a douchebag and like that's the The whole director too busy for you and the actor's an idiot right it'll be really funny it'll be really funny everyone knows what we're talking about right and it's (laughs) like well uh, that's (laughs) not that funny actually so so yeah exactly so matt's matt's comment was um uh he said he he got in touch with us on twitter and he said "Uh, i agree with the dislike of cinema however i don't want to knock web sketches too much because there's a lot of good stuff out there and and we should mention that matt does web sketches and he does good ones yeah they're actually well done yeah you know he does some really funny stuff and um i'm so happy that he wrote into the podcast saying this because i want to make sure that we qualify that conversation a little bit because i I don't want anybody to think that we were sitting there knocking every single comedy thing you've ever seen on the web. That was not anywhere near our intention. Um, It was more about the conversation uh, about those sort of one trick or one joke uh, ponies that you see, like these people who just get together and do exactly what we were just talking about. And it's all, you know, to make something that will hopefully make people laugh because comedy does better on the internet than drama and blah, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. I think what it came down to, because I've been thinking about this a lot, is is integrity. Because Alan said, and this really baked my noodle, and, and it's been consistently baking. It's been a slow bake on my noodle um, for like the past couple of weeks. And, <laughs> it and he said, so dirty. I know it really does. <laughs> it's been a slow bake on my noodle. Wait, whoa, wow. whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. not like that. <laughs> um, and he, but he said, uh, he said, okay. Imagine you have a million, or you're never going to work in this town again. No agent will see you. No cast director will see you. But you have a million dollars to make a movie. He's like, what are you going to make? Yeah. And he said, you're not going to make the, the, the weird little stupid video about the agent and the actor and the and the you know office style kind of thing. You know, you're going to make something with a real story that means something to you. Yeah. And that really stuck with me because I was like, yeah. So that when it then becomes is a question of integrity to me. Right. You know, if you have the means, then you'll do it. If you don't have the means, then you're just going to do some other stuff to get a few laughs. I mean, I understand that the value of comedy on the internet, but do something that contributes to the community. Or if you're going to do comedy, do something that that is funny because it, people can... Uh, I don't. I don't know. What, identify with it, or there's some kind of story. Like, okay, I'm thinking of 
I'll just say it. I'm thinking specifically of people like Judd Apatow. The reason his movies have been so successful with the, you know, Knocked Up and Funny People and um, what are some of the other ones that he's come out did with? Did he do Zack and Miri make a porno? Did he do that one? I don't think that was him. But, <clears throat> you know, he, he's, he's been having this string of success, basically, this string of, of film successes. And I, I believe that it's because you actually care about the characters. Mm-hmm. You know, in Knocked Up, it wasn't, you know, you actually cared about what was going on with those two people, and you actually, you know, wanted things to work out. You didn't want to see them, you know, everybody fail. And I think that may be what uh, a lot of the cinema, C Y N E M A stuff is. Is it's, it's like these? You're setting up these. You're 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 showing these characters who, in reality, you want to fail. As the creator, yeah, you want these people to fail because you don't like these people, you know, yeah, and that's why you're exactly. making this movie about them, as opposed to, you know, maybe maybe you do make a send up of the entertainment industry, but the main character who is who knows an actor, an agent, whoever is you actually care about them, you want them to you want them to actually succeed, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, think about Entourage, like that show's been on the air for. What's it's in its seventh season now? Seventh or eighth? Or eighth, yeah. season? eighth season? Like, I believe that that is really popular because there's a, a story there, and even if some of the people are bastards, like you know the Jeremy Piven character, you sort of care about them. You know, you you're interested in their lives. Well, there's a desperation <clears throat> there. They're not just a bastard, and it's not. It's also not a three minute web sketch. You know, it's it's that's they've had too. a chance to that's to cultivate too. that character, but at the same time, Jeremy Piven plays it in such a way that you you hate him but you understand him right it's not it's not a trick you know it's not like this this is a really funny line or i can do this really funny voice kind of thing and i'm not knocking the people who are who are out there doing stuff i'm knocking the people who are out there doing stuff just to get a few followers on twitter you know or or gain a few likes on on youtube you know it's that that kind of stuff right. it's like so that's what, what are you, you were saying about contributing to the community yeah i, I get yeah. What you're, i get what you're saying yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean yeah <clears throat> Well, and, 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 you know, just to reiterate what you just said about Alan's comment, you know, if you had, if you had a million dollars, if you had infinite resources, if you had the ability to do whatever you wanted to do, you know, what would that be? And then what I would like to add to what Alan was saying was like, do that anyway, mm-hmm. without a million dollars, do it anyway. Exactly. That's if what he was saying. Like, yeah. If you imagine, you know, what, what, what you would do with a million dollars, then just go out and, and make it happen, but be clever about it because you don't have a million dollars. Yeah. Be clever about telling that story and figure out ways you could tell that story without, you know, that million dollars. Yeah. I think that's um, exactly what he was getting at. I was um, telling you before we started recording, I just saw this crazy fan-made uh, movie. It was like oh, 20, the Batman thing. Yeah, it was like 20, yeah. 30 minutes long, and it was a it was a it was a Batman film. And I think I found it because one of our listeners was tweeting about it or something like that. Uh, I watched the whole thing. It was unbelievable, and they did it for like twenty grand, I think it was. And it was like some dude. Everybody was involved, maxed out their credit cards, and they can't sell it because otherwise they'll be um, in copyright infringement with DC's you know mm-hmm. uh, intellectual property. But like it was unbelievable you you would have thought they had the budget uh, that like christopher nolan had for yeah, the yeah. dark knight because it was so good that's cool keep you know beating this dead horse but yeah well what's interesting <clears> about <throat> that is when people make stuff like that that they can't sell i mean that kind of flies in the face of the logic that you know i picked up at, at the mark gant workshop things that you know maybe um alan alluded to 
But I think when you do that kind of stuff, you are out there practicing your craft. You're out there practicing your art. You're, you're being a filmmaker. And you may not be able to sell it, but people will, will see that. And they'll be like, wow, this person's good at what they do. You know, and they're out there doing it. And, you know, wow, they took a hit for this. But if you have that on your reel or something to show people as, as, your, as like a, a, a testament to your ability... That can that can go a long way. Yeah, even so, for the director. Yeah, so it doesn't. This, I mean, and people know this. This is probably doesn't even need to be said. But you know, you don't have to make stuff to sell it. You know, make stuff to get better at your at your work, better at storytelling, and and use it as your calling card. That's, like what, that's what YouTube's all about. You know, putting awesome stuff up there that is connected to you. Right. <laughs> so people go, shiza, I want to work with that person. You know? Right. Right. <clears throat> Excellent. Anyway, good talk. Good talk. I'm glad we had the talk. And break. All right, so we have a voicemail. Uh, this came to us from uh, Amber Plaster, who is Freaky Green Eyes on Twitter, um, who's written and called into the podcast before. So I don't know. It's really cute. You just have to listen to it. I'm going to play it. <laughs> Hi, guys. Uh, this is Amber Plaster, um, Freaky Green Eyes on Twitter. And I was just listening to your latest episode of Inside Acting, uh, the part two of Mark Gant. And the question was, what do you do to prepare once you get a role? What do you do to prepare for that role? And um, I just recently booked my first commercial. Yay. <laughs> and um, it was for a hair commercial, and I basically just had to be flipping and twirling my hair and, you know, just make my hair look good. And <laughs> That's awesome. The things we get asked to do as actors. It. I just knew it was going to be a lot of <clears throat> improv and a, and a lot of just showing off my hair and whatever and so um, since I was one of the first ones there and one of the last ones to shoot at the very end of the day I I tried really hard to keep myself fresh and so um, I would go in the bathroom periodically and I would make faces and um, just practice you know like what I would look like on screen um, what I thought would be attractive what I thought would be a horrible what look, actor so has I, not know, done not this make mm-hmm. that face. and um really just try to make the faces that I thought they would like and try to, you know, make it more engaging with my eyes and, you know, the twists and turns that I had to do. And then right before I went on, um, right before I got called, they were wrapping the last one, setting up my scene, I went into the bathroom and put in my iPod and danced. Yeah. <laughs> um, I danced to some Lady Gaga and some Outcast. And, uh, <laughs> nice. It kept my energy up. And I went outside and, and, you know, rocked it and had a lot of fun. But I was, like, about to fall asleep right before I went on set. So I was like, I need to fix this right now. So um, that's what I did. That's what I do when I I feel like I'm getting sleepy and my third and fourth coffee is not working. I'll I'll go find a private place in an alleyway or a bathroom or something and put in my Blackberry or my iPod and I'll just dance, like, until I'm panting. (laughs) Um, Hopefully that helps. Maybe it'll help more for people if they have commercial auditions or um, booking something really silly and they have to just keep their energy up. That's what I do, and it works really well for me. And uh, I think a lot of actors do practice making faces, although um, it's different for for everybody. So it it looks really weird when people catch you doing it, but I don't even care. So anyway, I will talk (laughs) to you guys later. Bye. Just dance. (laughs) 
Just, 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 just dance. You heard that song? <laughs> I'm blue, dabbin-dee, dabbin-dee. Oh, that's too much fun. After, after all of our, like, disintegrating in front of Freddy's question, he, like, presented us with this monolith of a question, and we, like, just completely fell apart. Uh-huh. And she calls in and goes, so I just dance? <laughs> Which is awesome. Which is amazing. But there's a part of me that that is a little wary of, and this is probably just me, standing in front of the, of the mirror and working on my expressions and stuff. Because <clears throat> the way someone interpret, interprets your expression is so subjective. And it kind of goes back to, like, the cast thing. You know, where like you you don't have guidance and you're watching yourself and you're critiquing yourself and it it can get away from you a little bit. So I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just me. What are your thoughts on that? I feel like I've been doing this since I was like a little kid. <laughs> like I think a lot. Jim Carrey's famous. This is like one of his stories. He used to stand in front of the mirror and make faces and make faces. And, and that's he, how. It, yeah, and yeah. then he got paid to do it. Yeah, <laughs> your face is gonna <laughs> stuck that way, or it's gonna get me paid, Mom. Thanks. <laughs> it's gonna make me twenty million dollars. <laughs> yeah, because he used to do those amazing impressions. Like he's got a James Dean. Where, like, he literally transforms his face. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I've seen him, if you look him up on YouTube, his old stand-up, it's, it's unbelievable. You're just like, whoa, how does he do that with his face? I don't really do it anymore. <laughs> I, I don't do it anymore. Not that, uh, you know, I would be embarrassed if I did, because what I was going to say instead that I do do is actually film myself. When we had David Lawrence on the podcast, and he, ta- he taught us about the his rehearsal app. One of the things you can do in that app, if you have an iPhone 3GS or iPhone 4, <clears throat> is you can actually record yourself so saying like the lines video, and yeah. put a little video thing like inside the script, so you can watch like takes of yourself doing a line, which I have done. I don't do it for everything. I only do it when I feel like there's this line that like I'm trying to get a certain thing across, a certain intention or a certain uh, flow to the line, and maybe it's a more complicated line, and I want to make sure that I'm being as clear as I can possibly be. And I feel like one of the things that's the most difficult as an actor, especially for me, I don't know if other people feel this way, but one of the things that I feel is difficult as an actor is your what you think you're actually putting out may not actually be what you're putting out. Mm-hmm. It's actually one of my biggest fears as an actor. I'm kind of opening up. One of my biggest fears is that my my body, my instrument, right. my my face, my voice will fail me when my when my you know brain and my instincts are I feel in the right place. Like I'm my, you know, my instinct is to do X, Y, and Z and I do X, Y, and Z, but it comes out looking like A, B, and C Mm -hmm. instead. That's why I feel like putting yourself on tape can be useful sometimes, but I also understand your trepidation when we, and we had this conversation when we were talking about the CAZT place. Um, you, I understand your trepidation about not having another eye looking at what, what it is that you're doing, you know, so that it's not just your eye. You're dealing with ego and vanity and what you want people to see and hiding things. It can very quickly get away from you. I'm not mm-hmm. saying everybody does that, but for me personally, as someone mm-hmm. who, who has struggled with insecurity, as, as I'm sure every actor has, that to me is like one of those things where it's like, oh, like I, I know now, you know, going on almost 30 years old to be careful with that stuff. Yeah. For me personally. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in, in a commercial situation like where Amber was, 
um, where it's all about like throwing your hair around and smiling for the camera, making sure your teeth are showing, making sure your eyes aren't squinting too, you know, close too tight. I think what she did, I think that's great for that kind of thing. Yeah. I guess I'm thinking more of like the, the heavy theatrical roles, you know, you don't want to do that kind of thing for that. Or I don't want to do that kind of thing for that specifically. Right. Yeah. No. It and so. it is subjective, and and different <clears throat> different people are going to have different opinions on this, and they're going to have different um, comfort levels with their own. Um, I don't want to say ability, but th- they're going to have different comfort levels with their own whatever you want to call looking at yourself. Yeah. It is. Yeah. You know whatever wh- whatever word you want to use for that quote unquote judging yourself maybe is what I'm trying to yeah. say. Yeah. Um, they're going to have different comfort levels with that. Um, I do like the dancing. Not to come, not to necessarily get off uh, topic here. Come back to a previous topic, but I've been in those commercial auditions. I've been going out on commercially a lot lately, and um, sometimes uh, you know you do need. It's all about energy. Absolutely. Whatever you can do to get yourself focused can be helpful. My manager emailed me one time, and I emailed her back, but it was like fifteen minutes before I had an appointment for a TV audition. And she was so, she was so mad at me. I got an email back immediately and she was like, aren't you going in the room in like 15 minutes? What are you doing emailing me right now? She's like, you should be sitting there with your iPod on, listening to music or doing whatever it is you need to do to get in the zone. Don't be like, you know, emailing me back. She's like, my email can wait, you know, just because Mm -hmm. I sent it to you doesn't mean I need a response back right away. And I thought that was really interesting that she was sort of looking out for me in a way. Yeah, I guess. So I, I, I do like the focus that music can bring to some people. Sure. Um, or, or, or at least, you know, find whatever, whatever works for you. Yeah. Focus wise. Yeah. Well, we've been talking for almost a half hour. You want to roll into the interview? Let's do this. Cool. So uh, we're going to roll into part two of our interview with, uh, the executive director of the Beverly Hills Playhouse, Alan Barton. Enjoy. And we'll see you guys on the other side. glad we're talking a little bit about your students, Alan, because we do have uh, a couple of questions coming in from Twitter now. Um, at Actors Eden, who is actually uh, Drew Matthews, uh, he's got a couple of questions. I'll kind of try to distill them down. Basically, what he's asking about is the training that your your actors receive at the school. Like, if, if what what process uh, inspires you uh, and the school, and and if you could talk about a little bit about. Um, yeah, sure, yeah. of course. Um, the Beverly Hills Playhouse has sort of this three-pronged approach, uh, acting, attitude, and administration. And this came from uh, Milton Katsalas, who, uh, again, I founded the school. It's his approach. Uh, the acting, I won't get into that because every acting teacher, when you get to this, the, you know, the technique of acting has their own thing. It can be very, very boring to listen to. But Milton has its own approach. He studied with Meisner. He studied uh, with, uh, he apprenticed with Josh Logan, Elia Kazan. He was a director. So it's a, it's a director's approach about acting, very non-intellectual, non-analysis based, uh, very kind of like, hey, what's going on in this scene kind of deal. So that's all I'll say about the actual acting approach. Unless you guys want to ask me more, I'll get into it. Um, attitude is what the actor, how the actor feels about what he or she is doing in this 
business. Sometimes uh, actors can be no- notoriously uh, have a bad attitude. I mean, the, the cliche of a ba- of an actor is someone who's narcissistic and self involved and uh, not listening and yada da 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 my line and all that stuff that I think is generally unfair, but there is a cliche about it that is true. So uh, the approach here does tackle what is your attitude about yourself, about the business, about your agent, about what's going on, and trying to keep that attitude above water because uh, we all know people who are extremely talented, really, really talented, but they are so difficult to work with or so down on themselves or so depressed or so mopey that they just don't get anything done. It doesn't matter how talented you are. So it was Kazan who said that 80% of the business is your ability to deal with people. And uh, and certainly you can turn on the TV and see actors who maybe are not necessarily demonstrating this gigantic range of talent. It's not like Daniel Day-Lewis is being reincarnated on every CSI Boise episode that is out there. Uh, but they're functional actors who know what to do, and they do it well, and they do it well enough to work. And a lot of people would take that paycheck. So a lot of that has to do with attitude. And the third prong is administration, and uh, Mark Gant is a, is a terrific uh, sort of testament to this part of it. Everything that he did about putting the band and way together was administration. This is what do you do in your life to get the acting and the attitude out there? Administration can be keeping yourself in shape. Uh, it can be uh, having a, an effective relationship with your agent um, that's politeful and polite and respectful. Uh, it can be dealing with your family. It can be getting your more conventionally, what are you doing to get your acting work out there? Postcards, letters, communication, uh, as we would say, creating content. Um, all that stuff related to administering your career. So it's the, the Playhouse tries to bring all those three things in focus. Get the acting in shape. Get the attitude in shape so you have someone who's bright, happy, uh, easy to work with. Um, because a lot of people will work a lot just because they're good to work with. And what are you actually doing in your life to get all this moving? Because with acting, it can be a very, very passive thing. You just think someone's going to call you, and it's less and less likely that that is the case. So those are the big three, acting, attitude, and administration. And that's that's another great segue, because one of your blog posts talked a lot about, I think it was, it was titled, Do the Admin You Like. Yeah. Um, and, and you kind of alluded to a student who was... Yep. Clicking and submitting till she was blue in the face, and it was just like, yeah, oh my doing, god, I can't do this anymore. Doing the breakdowns, and um, and this is can be a soul sucking exercise for those who don't like it. You go through these twenty three pages or whatever it is, and for some reason, none of them describe what you are, because a lot of them are geared towards the marketing of young and hot people, etc., what have you. And so it can be this soul sucking exercise to to click on the file that you are getting either legally or illegally. I don't even know how it works these days uh, and go through these things and try to self submit and then write a postcard or call your agent or email your agent. I saw on page 53 that there is a young Hispanic and I am and and they get really, really depressed by it. And so a student was telling me about this on the sidewalk and I just said, so don't do it like free yourself. This is ridiculous. Why depress yourself with such a narrow range of whatever is available on the breakdowns, which is the low-hanging fruit anyway? A lot of those roles have already been cast. They have to put it out on a certain way and open it up, but a lot of them are already cast. And uh, my viewpoint was, like, get in the headspace of those who are creating the work, not those who are at the breakdown services sending out the parts that haven't been cast yet. And when you get in the, try to get the viewpoint of being in the minds of those who create the work, well, there's the next question. Whose work do I like? What shows do I like? 
do I like uh, Dick Wolf? Do I like Aaron Sorkin? Do I like uh, uh, whomever? But getting in the headspace of writer, uh, particularly in TV, writer producers, those are the people who create jobs. Those people are going to create hundreds of jobs in a given year. If you're in that person's headspace, enthusiastic, passionate about what they do, about what they create, specific and knowledgeable about what they've created, I think that gives you so much more leverage and is so much more fun to do. Like, how am I going to get to Aaron Sorkin? I want to get to Aaron Sorkin. And then there's the creativity of, does anyone know him? Can I get to his office? Where's his office? Where's his product? Rather than, the breakdowns are in my inbox. I think I'll clean my apartment before I look at the breakdowns. And so it's a matter of doing, you you can't get away with doing no admin. I told this girl, if you're going to give up the breakdowns, that's cool. But you must replace it with something you enjoy doing. And if you just sit there and say, well, I don't enjoy anything about administering your own career, then you gotta, then you got to wonder. I think that's just lack of imagination. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as a pianist, I, I often use analogies from the music world because classical music training, uh, I think classical music training, martial arts training, athletic training is way tougher, way tougher than acting training by and large and way more disciplined. And the people who have done those kinds of training in their lives know how hard you have to work. So I often liken it to my going to my piano teacher and going like, well, I just, I don't like, I don't like playing. (laughs) Well, what what are you talking about? Like, you you understand? I don't know what you're talking about. You know, it's like, what scenes should I do? You know, I like going to my teacher like, uh, what music should I play? I would Mm -hmm. be killed. I'd have a gun put in my head and the trigger pulled. So the actor has to take a lot more responsibility for knowing what they like to do being knowledgeable, chasing the people who are creating stories that you like. So an exercise I give the actors at the school is just name me 10 projects that you liked, theater, film, TV, over the last two years. Okay, give me the writer, director, and executive producers of all those projects. Okay, so that's going to be a list of maybe 30 to 50 names. Now, write all of them. Find them. Write them. And I tell you that exercise will, will probably yield more material result, be more fun to do, be far more engaging on an intellectual level and an imagination level and a passion level because why what's the first part of it what are 10 projects that have fired you up so i think it all has to be based on that sense of interest that sense of passion yeah homework assignment you know because if it's just here are my breakdowns in my inbox this morning i you know has anyone ever booked a job doing that I mean, who? Have you guys ever booked a job off of writing a letter off the breakdowns? Not the actual like official breakdowns you can get through. Like every yeah. few months, I'll get an email from Robinhood or some mm-hmm. somebody, and it's like five bucks a month, and you get the same yeah, breakdowns yeah, yeah, agency. Right, right. Never, never even bothered. I think with that. I don't even know if that's still happening, given that there's actors' access and all that stuff, and people, yeah. people can do it legit and find out what's going on. Yeah. I mean, back in the '90s, there was this whole like. When email was coming out, you know, 1995, that was when people were starting to get email. You know, it was like, the breakdowns are being delivered to your inbox. <laughs> you know, that, all, all that crazy stuff. Before yeah, then, yeah. You'd, you'd go to someone's house. They'd be like on someone's porch. There was all this illicit breakdown getting. And I don't <laughs> think like in, in the history of the world, Gary Marsh like blows a gasket. Black, black, black. Yeah. In the history of, of the world, all the efforts and driving and craziness of illegal breakdown getting has not led to a smidgen of acting jobs. Yeah. Versus, yeah. I'm going to chase... David Mamet. Yeah. I'm going to get on that unit because I love blank, blah, 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 blah. That yeah. to me has so much more power. Yeah, absolutely. Targeted. We've talked a lot about this in the podcast. Targeted work. You know, you know, you did, what is it? Bruce Smith, I think, said in episode eight, 
you can use a shotgun and just spray everybody yeah. and hope to kill somebody. This is going to get morbid. Or right. you can use a sniper rifle and go for the person that you really want. Yeah, well, Milton talks about this. Uh, you know, Milton wrote two books that we use here, Dreams in Action, which is the career book, and the acting class, which is his acting book. Both of them cover sort of similar things in terms of career. But he wanted to work with, uh, I believe it was Josh Logan, and um, very famous theater director in New York. And so he found out when Logan came over from Russia or something like that, found the dock that he, his boat landed, the date that it landed, and he wrote him a note, you know, on such and such a day, someone, can, you know, a master arrived, and I am now arriving to work with a master. In 24 hours, he had a job. 24 hours, mm-hmm. Logan got back to him and said, show up at this theater the next day, you'll be my apprentice, you'll be my go- gopher, or whatever. Yeah. So that specificity is very, very key. And the interest. Yeah, I like that person, but a lot of actors don't even. It doesn't even occur to them to to be moved. And Milton used to talk about you. You can't be a civilian anymore. You can't go to movies and theater and just be like, uh, "Pardon my crudity, fuck me, filmmaker and uh, stage director," because uh, here I am. You can't be fucked anymore. You are a participant. You have to look at it and say, "What's my part?" Not the lead part. Not I could be DiCaprio in Inception because you can't. Because DiCaprio is DiCaprio. But what are the parts that you could really go for if you had the opening, if you knew the filmmakers? What's the part you could actually really go for? That reality check and the participation in that I think can be very exciting. But too many people, I think, are in a romance mode where it's like, I could be a huge star. And many people could be a huge star. Very few people will be a huge star. And then in the middle, there's a lot of people who can make a lot of money doing a lot of things. Mm-hmm. If they just work their ass off to do it, the yeah. idea that you could make between zero and a hundred thousand dollars a year in your chosen field, year after year after year, just through some hard work, that's pretty good. You know, I know everyone wants twenty million a picture, but even that's not happening so much anymore because the whole business is being turned upside down. Yeah, and actually, on that note, um, one of the books that you recommend to your students is a book called The Long Tail by mm-hmm. Chris Anderson. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about that and why you recommend it? I recommended it, uh, someone recommended it to me, and now I can't give credit to that person because I can't remember. But it's a book about what essentially infinite storage via digital storage, infinite storage and infinite uh, instantaneous and nearly free distribution does to various business models. So just to pick Amazon, because people know what that is, something like 50% of Amazon sales comes from the sale of books that have never been in the top 100 books sold, which becomes a very interesting thing to look at. And so that's the long tail. So if you can picture a graph where the, the line starts up really high and then goes down steeply and then goes out to the side at a very low number, but it never, ever, ever goes to zero, that's the long tail. And underneath that, if you shade all that in and call that money from sales, there's a ton more money under that long tail than there is under the sharp the high point. So that high point is inception. A zillion people try to go see it in the first four weeks. Uh, and a bunch of ton of money is made the over at the end at the long tail is some, uh, short film or a small feature film that someone made on their own for 10,000 bucks. But because you can just distribute it online infinitely for cheap, for nothing, the production, you know, there's a, there's a great equality, a democratization that has happened with the internet. There is money to be made. There may be, let's say, 10,000 people on planet Earth who would be interested in seeing your movie. All 10,000 of them can find it if they have internet access, which more and more people have. So it's about an analyzing what that does to various business models. The idea that you know, if you bake 
chocolate cookies in this very specific way that was taught to you by some German baker on a vacation, you know, you will find another 10,000 people who want that on planet earth because you can put it on the web and everyone has access to it. And so it's like analyzing what that does to business models. The idea that physical storage in a facility is less and less important Mm -hmm. than having the, the data, the product available via distribution. So obviously this is what's rocking the film industry right now. It's already rocked the music industry where no one's even buying CDs anymore. Talk to a kid, talk to a 15 year old and ask him how many CDs he has. He'll look at you like you're nuts. So what, what does that do? And it just basically answers that question industry by industry. And I think that's a very, very important thing for actors to know in terms of what's happening in this business, that the model is breaking down. All of the gates, there are very specific gates that are put up, which are money collection gates, all the way from actor walking into casting office is a money gate, all the way going through all the way the process to the the theater release. Remember how it used to be like the theater release was like two or three months long, and then it was like HBO, or then it was airplanes, and then it was satellite, you know. And as we've gone on, there are more and more and more and more windows and each one of them is this money collection thing uh, where it goes to direct TV, pay-per-view, HBO, cable, film, TV, hotels, planes, da, da, da. endless windows of little distribution, and everyone was taking their cut. And the problem is that all those gates are kind of melting away, and, uh, yeah. and no one knows what's going to happen. It's really the Wild West. The business model will change. But every time there's been an advance in technology, there's been an increase in production. Mm-hmm. So... You know, there, you, we can complain about this like uh, guys who shoot horses can complain about the car coming, but the car is coming, and uh, you better know. But the thing is, how many people are employed in the auto industry versus employed in the shoe, horseshoeing industry in the late 1800s? Exponential, huge, gargantuan numbers of people are more, are more are employed. Mm-hmm. So this is good news for actors. This is all good news. You can make a product right now. You guys are talking about it. We, that's what we were talking about. That's what Gant did. You can create a product for a lot less money and get it out there and everyone can see it. Yeah. Now the money will be less. You're not going to be paid millions and millions of dollars because those millions and millions of dollars are based on very specific gateways that people own. I mean, Hollywood was based on, if you remember the history, those guys came out from New York. All films were being made in New York. They came out here and they had like guns and rifles and people stationed at the studios because the mob was coming out from New York because these people were making movies without going through the proper channels you know that was the uh-huh. start of hollywood was gatekeeping yeah and that this place was an oasis away from the gates it's happening again and again now it's just technological can can we actually expand on that a little bit because i was just about to say that i wanted to play devil's advocate mm-hmm. when you brought up the idea of the fact that there's that the money won't be as much no. there um and and what i mean by that is like this whole thing that's been going on for for the last few years because the industry is being turned on its ear uh we had the writer's strike we had yep. unions threatening to strike you know yeah. um we have uh, after taking up more and more of the contracts which is a, a cheaper production wow. contract and there's, all these actors up in arms and there's gonna be a merger and, there very soon <clears throat> yeah there's just it, it, i mean it's it's getting um, uh, violent in some yep. of these, you know, I've talked to some of my friends who are members of the union, mem- members of mm-hmm. the boards, member of the people that go to these big meetings where there's yep. people just screaming at each other in these meetings. Um, unions are big gates. And I mean, they're trying to protect rights for their members, but in a way it's a gate. Okay. And so all gates I think are melting away. My, my question then becomes, 
how is the actor going to make a living because so many actors, especially now with the current model, make like, say, 40 percent of the, you know, a working actor who no one knows their name. Mm -hmm. No one knows who they are. They're not an A-lister. They're not a B-lister. They're not a C-lister. That's somebody you'd never. One commercial used to pay you 100 Gs. Right. Right. So so an actor whose name you don't know makes, say, 40 percent of their income off of residuals. Yeah. What what happens to these people who have or want to start families who make their income this mm-hmm. way? Like what what happens to to our quote unquote livelihood in that case? Uh, I believe that what's going to happen is that actors need to be more and more resourceful when you look at the overall scope of their life, and that uh, yes, it will be possible. I think the the possibility of making anywhere between zero and let's say fifty G's. That possibility has actually gone up. The problem is that it's it's down towards the bottom of that. You know, I mean, people aren't even making their health clearance or whatever that is, ten thousand a year or whatever it is, via the unions. So um, actors are going to have to be more and more resourceful about looking at their lives and creating a system of living that allows them to do what they love to do. But they may have to have other jobs, as many people do now, anyway. It's just that they apologize for it or think it's a temporary condition or they feel bad about it. And I don't think there's anything to feel bad about that you work in a restaurant or work doing whatever because you deal with people. There's massive experience. It's a constant interaction, which is only helps you as a storyteller. Um, and I'm not trying to be cute to say like, well, screw residuals because that was a system that kept a lot of people going for a lot of years. The only problem is that no one knows how to measure a residual on a click. How do you do it? They can't do it. They don't know how to do it. Whereas before they could do it. When you you have an air date, that was doable. That was tied to specific advertising revenue coming in. That's doable. And they charge such and such for 30 seconds of Jerry Seinfeld and such and such for 30 seconds of a soap opera. And there's a whole scale there and blah, blah, blah. That whole model is being blown up technologically. And we cannot cry about it. It's done. It's done. It's over. Like uh, I think I said in one of them, the conventional thinking is toast. Get over it. So you're not going to be able to protect it. After and SAG are going to merge. That is going to happen. It cannot exist like this. It's stupid. After it's a lower contract, they're getting all the work. So guess what? They're going to merge. Everyone's going to be paid, unfortunately, less. But if you have a life where you say, I love storytelling, I love acting, I must do this with my life or else I am sort of uh, empty inside, then you're going to find a way. And you're going to have other jobs, other means of income. You have to teach, I think we have to teach better economics in high school and college so people know what to do with money, how to make money, how to make it last, pursue your art. And then always the development of technology, there's new ways of making money that people haven't discovered yet. And uh, similar, you know, who knew how many trillions of dollars was going to be made by the car industry when horses were walking around? So I believe those trillions of dollars are going to be able to be made. It's just no one quite knows how to do it yet. The technology is moving too fast. Uh, so I, I think in music, a lot of times now, live performance has become the money-making deal. CDs are a giveaway. It's a giveaway. It's a promotional giveaway. Here's the CD. Come see us live because that's the gate. There's a gate you can keep there. Four guys in a band in one geographical location. You have to get into that location. It has a certain number of seats. There's the gate. There's the money-making opportunity. Um, so it's, it's increasingly difficult. I'm not sh- trying to shy away from that, and it's, and it's a painful transition. But those, I think, who are hanging on to that old model, forget about it. It's done. And uh, you, there will be less money made 
for any individual gig, but more money possible to be made overall, over the long haul. Yeah. And you're going to have to be clever. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to figure out and save up and have a rental property as well, a different job that you like doing as well, so that you can have a family and pursue your art. That's always been the struggle. Mm-hmm. It's never been easy to be an artist. And maybe there was a window there between 1950 and, say, 1998, when that model of TV worked so beautifully that you had actors on ER making, you know, and friends making a million dollars a week. <laughs> I mean, that's like... I remember, I remember that when they, when you know, all, all the friends actors wanted the raise. But no one watches TV. Do, do you watch TV? Do you think to yourself, I got to get home tonight by eight to watch my favorite show? No, we all have TiVo. Bye bye. Yeah, yeah. bye. Forget TiVo. How about Hulu? No one. Yeah, Hulu. I don't even. No watch one thinks TV. of buying CDs. No yeah. one thinks of trying to be at home at a certain time to watch TV. And that was the model that funded and paid residuals. It's mm. gone. So we just have to be suck it up and go. Okay, what's the new model? What can we do? But more importantly, you have to go, I am in this to tell stories. I have to tell stories or I'll, or I'll die in some way. I will live an unhappy existence. And, and if that's the case, you can tell a story for free and still derive benefit and be happy mm. and make your money doing mm. something else. And mm. that's just part of like a, the broader view that I think actors will have to take. Yeah. But I don't think that's dramatically different from what it's been. Really. Not really. It's in, a, in a way, I like it because it's forcing the issue. It almost says, like, how passionate are you about this? Yeah, exactly. Because you may not make a million dollars. It's increasingly unlikely that you will make a million dollars from this business. So how much do you want to tell stories? And in a way, I think the quality will get possibly better. Absolutely. The story's better. Yeah. Because people who are in it are going to be in it because they really care. Yeah. And And and, it's a very interesting time. And, I mean, when you have this level playing field of YouTube and Vimeo and who, you know, everyone's going to be trying to one-up each other. Mm -hmm. It's it's this really cool, like, democratization of storytelling where you're all going to try to make something better than the next person. Look, in my comparatively small existence as a classical pianist, have I ever played Carnegie Hall? No. Can you go see me at Disney Hall playing with the L.A. Philharmonic? No. But my CDs are all available on iTunes. You can type my name in there and, and get them. Same as you can type in Bono and get his CDs. What do I make from that? Uh, I think a whopping somewhere between zero and 500 a year from digital downloads, right? But I never made that selling CDs. I mean, that was sort of a fantasy I had of like, I'll sell enough CDs. I'll make like $1,000, $2,000 a year. I never made that money. I ended up giving them away anyway because I just wanted people to hear my music. So now I go on. I have people in Kazakhstan. Last, night, last week, someone in Kazakhstan downloaded a recording of mine because I can see all this stuff. And there's a different sense of reward. It's a cool thing. It's a cool thought that like all over the planet, people have downloaded my stuff. And is there a huge monetary reward? No, but there's a very interesting trade-off there. And, and in a way, I, I like the feeling that I have a lot more impact worldwide, potentially. Yeah, we and have, my CDs are giveaways. We have listeners in uh, in Eastern Europe. Isn't that? But isn't it a cool thought to think very, that you're having so an cool. impact? <clears throat> yeah, and that we is that somebody. Is an exchange. That's a means of exchange. That gives you good feeling. That that is value for value. But people are too much attached to if I have a dollar, ten, ten thousand, a million, that's what will make me happy. And it never has. It's always been an illusion, and I think in a way the technology is blowing apart that illusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I wanna switch gears um just for this kind of last thing that I wanted to talk mm-hmm. about that I really found compelling that I read on your blog <clears throat> and then we'll probably have to wrap it up. But sure. um you quoted the book I think it's a book called Acting Class. Yeah, that's Milton's right? book on acting. Oh, right. Okay. Then we talked about it. Um, and you said, uh, the quote was, this computer jazz, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> this computer jazz can affect you if you're not careful. You can become this inert sponge, sitting for hours, surfing, vacuous, soaking up millions of unrelated pieces of information, images, videos, jumbled, jangled, and meaningless, getting all into data rather than your imaginations. Yeah. And I, I, I really like that quote, but there's a part of me mm-hmm. that thinks a lot of people might read something like that and think, that's old-fashioned. Well, it's uh, it came out of just so you have some context. It came out of the idea that he kept on turning around uh, in the last couple of years of his life and finding more and more students' faces highlighted in a blue glow sure. from their iPhones as the displays got bigger and bigger, you know, and more internet and more texting and the thing. It's a nonstop. Uh, you know, recently I had one of my classes. We played a game. I said, "No phones in the theater at all for four hours. Leave them in your car. Turn them off. Can't check them. No checking. No checking the phones on the break. No taking calls. Four hours. Can we do it?" And you're like, this show is 15 years old. It's kind of crazy that you think, I'm going to go four hours without my phone. If you leave your phone at home and you drive off, you go into a panic. You're like, should I go back? I got to go back. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think it's that sense that Milton is trying to address in that yeah. deal, which is that we don't take the time. I was talking to a student last week. I said, uh, why aren't you in the class? We we're doing a play reading class. And he goes, oh, well, uh, you know, I don't want to interrupt. And I said, go ahead and interrupt. And I said, don't bullshit me. You didn't read the play. That's why you're not going into the class. Don't try to bullshit. He goes, yeah, I didn't read the play. I said, good. So just don't lie to me about how you're busy. I said, you should read. And it came, anyway, came out. He hadn't read a book since he was 10. Not one book wow. since he was 10. It was against his family's kind of culture. They made fun of people who were intellectuals. Every time he tried to read, tried to read a book, they made fun of him. And he just never did it. And yet this guy is busy, 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 running around, running, doing all this stuff. And so I think what Milton's trying to address in that quote is the idea of patience, observing people, uh, uh, communication versus staring into your iPhones. It's a lot of what I'm writing about in the play that I have going on called yeah. Engagement is people trying to connect through and against the background music of social media. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, a, a lot of our conversation has been that actors need to be savvy, smart about what's going on in the business, what's going on with technology, what does that mean for their careers, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, if they're panicked that their iPhones are gone for two hours and they can't concentrate in class – for a four-hour time period, I mean, the, the rate of concentration has gone down in our society. Um, mm-hmm. That will affect the art. That affects your imagination and the storytelling and the things that will come to you if you just sort of, you know, sitting in a park, sitting in a coffee shop and just thinking to yourself rather than like... And, and that's, it where is you your, that's where you get your art from. Yeah. Is the people around you, the world around you. Exactly. So yeah. the, the degree to which that stuff becomes a distraction from engaging in the world, that's my play, engagement, yeah. uh, is uh, troublesome. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do think. I mean, we've talked. You know, we talked about it. Obviously, they, they're great tools. You know, but I feel Absolutely. like every time I see the, the person step into the elevator and go right for that, I think of this quote from Napoleon Hill's book, uh, "Think and Grow Rich," where mm-hmm. he talks about the mind becoming like an, a garden overgrown with weeds if you don't tend to it and you don't Absolutely. actually have discipline and actually manicure it and make it a garden and make it a place that's yeah. comfortable to be. Otherwise, it becomes this this kind of. Well, mess. I talk a, a fair with fair frequency. I'm talking to students. <clears throat> talking to students about the ability to stay sane. I'm not necessarily talking to them about, well, in your acting, you need to do X, Y, Z, because certainly there's all that. But it's sort of like, you know what you need to do? You need to just sit in a quiet room and read a book. One book a month. It's just good for your sanity, because you just seem panicked. And that does affect the acting, the panic, the, the constant agitation. Mm-hmm. I, I do see affecting people's acting, and it's part of what then generates cynical cinema, crazy improv bullshit, stuff that's going on. But the ability just to sit quietly in a room and read. A lot of people aren't doing that anymore. And it's very, very sad. 
and I think the education level is going down and all that's going down. But it's tough. I mean, look, I'm part of this culture. I mean, everything I say is stuff that I do. I've gotten in elevators and pulled out the iPhone sure, for sure, lack yeah. of something to say, and it's a long ride, and it's awkward, or it's someone you don't like, or whatever. Yeah, uh, I'm part of this world. I got Twitter and Facebook, and you know, but but uh, so no one's on top of a mountain about mm-hmm. it. You're involved in the society. You've got these things. It's a matter of finding that balance. Balance, I think, is is really the key there. Yeah. Yeah, and no one. Yeah, yeah I think some people <laughs> spoke about that before us. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Well, the, Alan, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for sitting down with us. Yeah, um, no, it was a real pleasure to meet you guys. And like I said, when I listened to what you guys spoke about with Mark Gant, I realized there's a lot of common ground there. Cool, cool. Did you want to say something? The question or questions? Oh, yeah. So our question, <laughs> how could I forget? Mm-hmm. We have two questions that we uh, like to... Uh, is this like uh, Inside the actor Studio? Yes. Exactly. Your it's favorite exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> It's very similar to that. Um, so we yeah we have two questions we like to wrap up uh, mm-hmm. each each interview with each guest and the, the first question is a little ethereal but do you feel like this line of work chose you or did you choose this line of work? Hmm. I guess I would say the former, just because I've had such a weird kind of trip with it, where I started out as an actor, then got into directing. I still do that. Then teaching classical piano writing there's so many things that uh kept coming my way in in strange ways in certain aha moments that i can't help but feel that maybe it was choosing me because there was a a reason for that i'm not Mm -hmm. a particularly religious person but maybe that there was some kind of reason for it so i'll go with the former right on yeah and uh um, why am I drawing a blank on our second question? So, and then the, the last question is if, if uh, I mean, obviously you, you okay, yeah, there was okay. a lot of knowledge that you, uh, you know, distributed <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, during this podcast and on your blog and everything. If there was one, one nugget of advice, one, mm. one thing you could distill it all down to, um, maybe it's a quote, maybe it's a book, maybe it's just something that you've learned, uh, you know, through your years and years of experience, what, what is that one thing that you would want to impart to uh, perhaps a young uh, artist or actor um, uh, sort of starting out their career? Uh, whatever you're doing, do it because you believe in that story, that action, that letter that you're writing, that whatever action you're taking, the class you're taking, the scene you're doing in the class, the audition you're going on, whatever it is, do it because you believe in it and want it and not because you think it's expected of you or that this is what people should do, you know, in this acting business. Because a, a young actor comes to L.A., they're, of course, assaulted with, what you need is this. You need improv training. You need scene training. You need this. You need audition. Yeah. You need that. You, need, you should go study here. You should go study there. What you need, 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 what you need. And what they really need is to believe day by day, action by action, in what they are doing and in the story they are telling and in the film that they're making, uh, whatever it is. And I think that, I guess, is the... Uh, the thing I try to boil it down to, that there's a lot in there, sure. There's a huge audience in my brain giving you a standing ovation. No, okay. <laughs> do you mind if I shamelessly self-promote my play? Can I shamelessly no, please, do it. We're, we're doing it. Can I, I have a shameless self-promotion? Can we do a little shameless self-promotion? Absolutely. Wait, because cue, I, cue music? Okay. Yeah, cue music. Uh, because I wrote and directed a play called Engagement that's running here at the Beverly Hills Playhouse. I'm really proud of it. And the actors are doing a great job. And we're running through September 19th, Friday, Saturday, Sunday here at the Beverly Hills Playhouse. And you can find out information about everything that we're talking about, including that play at uh, beverlyhillsplayhouse.com 
or bhplayhouse.com, but particularly to come see live theater. Small theater needs to be supported. These guys are doing great work with what they're doing, and uh, hopefully I'm doing some work that you would like, and uh, we'd love to have you there. Great, great. And if people want to learn more about you uh, individually, where can they go? You know, I, uh, individually, I have my own website. It's a really shitty iWeb website, you know, which I'm trying to redo. It's like totally out of date. Like I can't look, I can't link the files for whatever reason to update it. So, but there's alanbarton.com. But because most of my activities and writing and stuff goes through the Playhouse, uh, they can go to bhplayhouse.com and find out about me. Cool. And you're, you're on Twitter too, I think. Yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter. Alan Barton uh, at Alan Barton. Is that how you say it? Yeah. yeah, Twitter, yeah. Facebook, all that stuff. <laughs> cool. I'm totally, I'm totally part of the world. <laughs> we'll make sure we link to all that stuff uh, on our website as well. So if yeah, anyone wants to learn to more about any of that, um, just hit up our, our website. And uh, Alan, thank you again. Absolutely, pleasure to meet you guys. All right, welcome back. Hope you guys uh, enjoyed part two of our interview with Alan Barton. I know. Uh, you know, the noodle baking was was quite prevalent. Yeah, that, uh, throughout that entire God, that stuff he started saying about like the um, <clears throat> the gatekeepers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that's when my brain just started to like explode. Yeah. Yeah. It was I was like, wow, that's so true. The, you know, and and the and the way that you know the industry is kind of slowly breaking down. Um, you know, I, I wonder. <clears throat> if there's people out there who are who are really passionate, who listen to this podcast, who are really passionate about you know the union stuff, and uh, if mm-hmm. there if there's gonna be people getting in touch with us, being like, oh, what he was saying about the mergers, blasphemy, and blah blah blah. Like, I'd be really interested to hear um, some people yeah. who have um, dissenting opinions. Um, not because I want people to argue with Alan Barton, but because I want to you know spark some discussion. Sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, on that note sort of um his play engagement has been extended so if anybody wants to go see that um the dates have been extended so i think it runs for like another two or three weeks now mm-hmm. uh, and aj are gonna go ch- and i are gonna go check it out next weekend mm-hmm. uh, and you know on that note actually because we talked about this a little bit aj i think it's really important to <laughs> support your fellow actors because uh, you know we were talking you know we a lot of people, a lot of podcast listeners and people that we knew we've met on Twitter and stuff actually came out to the war cycle and supported us. Um, by the time, no, no, we're going to publish this episode tonight. So, yeah. um, we still got one more weekend, but it's really cool to have a lot of people come support it. And you know, like the, the goodwill that that builds is so priceless. I mean, you want to talk about networking and building relationships, go and support the people that are in this business with you. It means the world to us. And I'll tell you, every single person that came out to see the war cycle that I talked to, you can sure as hell bet that I'm going to go see their work. Because it's like, it's like wow, they, they extended themselves that way. I want to reciprocate. Right. And I think that's so important. You know, we talked about um, uh, Keith Ferrazzi's book, Never Eat Alone. And the very beginning of that book being the secret to networking is generosity. Generosity, yeah. And I'm not trying to sell people on coming to see our show. It's sold out. So if you, if you wanted to, you could. <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, you know. No, no. I one of, one of the things that's tough, that's always tough for me is like, um, you know, if you're actually doing theater, if you're working, sometimes it's difficult to actually go out and, and, and see other people's work because... Mm-hmm you're in rehearsal or you're in shows. Sure. I mean, that's usually what happens to me. Don't ignore every Facebook invite that you get. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know it's tempting. Uh, but or, or if you're the person doing the inviting, 
you know, short circuit that and do a personal invitation. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Thank you for that. Because I, I get Facebook I guess, invites to, I get 20 or so a day. Right, right. It's It, it goes back to the idea of a shotgun blast versus a sniper rifle. Like, make sure you're using a sniper, make sure you're using a sniper rifle on your friends as well. Don't kill anybody, <laughs> please. What? No, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> no, make sure that you're intention is a personal invitation and that you know you really reconnect with people because that's what quote-unquote networking is or building relationships is 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 you know being genuine with the people around you and and you know really making connections that you can go like hey what are you up to oh you're doing this web series or whatever hey you know i'm I'm in this play right now like yeah um anyway yeah the the big thing is don't don't build networks and really and relationships with people to see what you can get from them or what they can provide for you See what you can contribute to them. That's generosity. Like, that's right. like the surefire way to build a bulletproof relationship every single time. Right. Amen. If you guys are interested in um, supporting the podcast, there's a number of ways you can do it. You can follow us on Twitter. We are at twitter.com slash inside acting. You can fan us on or like us on Facebook. That's right. Like Just us. Just do a search for uh, inside acting on, on Facebook. You can follow us uh, on Twitter individually. I am twitter.com slash Trevor Algot. I'm twitter.com slash digital actor. You can write us a review on iTunes. Yeah, that would be awesome. And, um, and, yeah. and then click on the, the fifth, fifth star, star, please. <laughs> don't, don't do a one-star review. That would not be cool. <laughs> Unless, you know, that's how you feel. We're not going to censor you. We're just going to say that we wouldn't appreciate it very much. <laughs> well, it's not about censorship. My, my thing has always been, when you have that type of feedback, why haven't you written into the podcast, called the podcast, exactly. tweeted at us, commented on our website, done something like that to get in touch with us to tell, to tell us that you don't like what we're doing so that we can make it better? That was the next thing I was going to say. Email, email us and, first. Yeah, email us first <laughs> instead of going it. on there and Let be it. like, one star review, yeah. you guys suck. Yeah. Um, you can find us on actorrated.com if you just do a search for Inside Acting there. Um, you know, just give us a little review on there. It's Actorrated is a very cool website we've talked about before, but... Um, Every little kind of bit of publicity helps. We're not in this this podcast to make a profit. Um, we just want to share good, unbiased information and keep the conversation about this stuff going, so the whole community kind of, you know, um, benefits from it as much as we do personally meeting these people. Amen, brother. And of course, we have our uh, voicemail, uh, right. which is one two one three two actors. That's one two one three two 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 eight six seven seven. Yep. And last but certainly not least, uh, we've already talked about this once, but we do have our uh, donation button on the website, yeah. which is new and improved this week. Uh, we have our subscription model as well. So if uh, you know you haven't been able to donate in the past, but uh, you have been, um, you know, getting something from the podcast, uh, all the donations, you know, you first of all, if you're an actor, you can write them off as an education expense and sec or or a donation. There's two ways mm-hmm. to do that. And second of all. Um, it all goes back into helping us build a better podcast. That's right. For all of you fine yeah. folks. And this way you don't have to worry about going back every month and clicking on the donate button. If you do get value out of the podcast, we'll we'll bill you on a recurring basis. You can cancel at any time, and it starts at $3. So um, every little bit helps. So check it out. That does it for episode 31. We'll be back next week with James Leo Ryan, part uh, yes. one of his interview. Yes. And then so, we've got some really exciting guests coming up after that, too. That about does it. AJ and I are going to go finish the war cycle this weekend. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah wow. It's been quite a journey. It and has. Saturday is going to be all three shows back to back to back. 
Um, I think actually, I think there are still a few tickets available for Wounded. I think there's on some Thursday, Thursday and Friday. Yeah, this Thursday and Friday. This Friday is like pay what you can, so we're reserving a bunch for walk-ups. If you guys want to just come on down to the theater um, yeah. in Santa Monica there and and, uh, and and try to grab one of those last-minute tickets um, for free <laughs> because uh-huh. it's pay what you can. Um, you can absolutely do that. All right. So for episode 31, my name is Trevor Algott. And I'm AJ Meyer. See you guys next week. Take care.